Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who has a vast collection of vintage DC and Marvel comic books, and ironically lives in Minnesota, where his favorite NBA team, the LA Lakers, originated, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. And my friends, as you know, I am captivated by the idea of side hustles. I have this podcast, of course. I'm an author. I acquired a digital business earlier this year, and now my wife and I are getting into the land flipping business. Now, you may think, that I'm crazy. And that's all right. And I have someone here with me who is just as crazy as I am, maybe even more so. So we're going to dig out and find why. He is the chief side hustler at Side Hustle Nation. He is an entrepreneur involved with a variety of projects. And like any business, he has his ups and downs. It can be stressful, but he sets a goal of just trying to learn something each and every day. And that's why he started Side Hustle Nation, because he believes in the hustle. I know he would say, after all, what is riskier, starting a business or relying on your job as your only source of income? As a matter of fact, he used to work full-time for a giant corporation, and he built this business over many nights and weekends, struggling over the computer. Uh, but I know that he believes that you can do it too. Please help me welcome my friend, Nick Loper from The Side Hustle Show. Welcome, Nick. What's going on, Dave? Thanks for that intro. Looking forward to uh, helping some people build side hustles. Well, you know, I stole it right from your website, so you made it easy for me. <laughs> Fair enough, man. <laughs> I'm trying to make this easy. You know, this whole podcasting thing, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of good stuff. Um, we had met a podcast movement, right? Hanging out in the halls. We had some tortilla soup over at dinner and uh, saw Disneyland over. I, I would love to know... Um, have you tell to our audience a little bit more about yourself where'd you start out and, and tell us about your journey so i started out working corporate like like you're supposed to you know got a graduated got a real job and really quickly realized probably even before taking the job that i didn't have any desire to climb the corporate ladder like i always kind of had in my mind like i wanted to do my own thing just didn't really know what that thing was going to be and you know a lot of people probably in that same boat so luckily for me i had a few experiences early on in uh, in life and in college that kind of bit me with the entrepreneurial bug the first one was running a painting business so they you know, they call it an internship i don't know if they, they have this at your school it was called college works the one that i did like where they right. uh, sign you a, a zip code or a territory and they say all right it's your job to go paint as many houses as you can over the course of the summer and they teach you how to estimate a job and hire people and do the and do the work and that was really I mean, it was as stressful as stressful could be like you know everything that can go wrong will go a bunch of 19 year old with paint sprayers like how could this you know go wrong <laughs> but it was it was also really rewarding to stand back at the end of the week and say hey look we you know we made this house look beautiful again and to stand back at the end of the summer and say hey we did this 25 different times so that was really cool and it was kind of my first taste of working for profits and not wages and 
that was that was really you know I was a you know impressionable youth and so that was really kind of a formative experience and the second thing that I had that kind of set me on the path to I guess more more closely to what my original side hustle was and what I'm doing today was I had this internship another internship with a a footwear retailer in Seattle. They had a, a brick and mortar store. And then way back in the early days of the internet, they had this crazy idea to put some of their inventory online and see what would happen. And of course, the online portion of their business grew way, way faster. And so when I came on as an intern, um, tried to help out with their pay-per-click advertising, with their affiliate program, a little bit with their SEO, but it was really my first introduction to kind of the online marketing world. And that kind of led to my original side hustle, you know, while I was working corporate, which was the footwear comparison shopping site that, you know, mm-hmm. made money through affiliate commissions from Zappos and Amazon and like these other, um, these other shoe retailers. Interesting. So you really dove right in, in, in college and got into it. I was, uh, started out. And as as a business major, and I have no idea what I wanted to do. I was telling you beforehand, I had actually wanted to be in sports medicine originally, but those plans kind of failed because of my AP physics score. And uh, so as I looked out there, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And it was kind of interesting for me. The entrepreneurial thing never really bit me until later. And uh, so one of my first experiences was going door knocking door to door to try and get people to sign up. And that kind of burned me out on that for a while. Do you think for you, you felt like you had success, you know, and that kind of encouraged you to con- to continue pursuing that? Or why did you end up settling in at a big business? Tell me more about that. Well, cold, cold calling is tough. What were you, what were you pitching door to door? Well, on this podcast, I can't really talk too much about that, but... Um, <laughs> Basically, I was trying to get people to uh, hand over their life savings, right? So kind of <laughs> hard to do with uh, with uh, going door to door as a 22-year-old little uh, child trying to, to get people to uh, yeah. work with me. So it was, uh, it, was, it was a very scarring experience. I was actually... Um, scared <laughs> from from that point on. Got got that feeling in my stomach, you know, when your stomach gets so tight, of uh, uh, just clenched together anytime I had to do something like that. So that is why, my friends, we have this podcast because I never ever want to do that again. Yeah, it's, it's interruption so. marketing. It's kind of an intimidating thing. I remember sitting in my truck, like I've kind of driven around my territory a couple times, and it's like a rainy March Seattle evening and like I kind of come to this realization that look man if you don't get out of this truck and knock on that first door like nothing is ever going to happen you're never going to sell a paint job you're not going to be an entrepreneur like it's 100% on you to kind of captain your own ship at this point and I was just so like I'm going over my spiel in my head trying to like psych myself up and so I you know, get out of the, <laughs> finally get out of the car get out of the truck go knock on the first door ring the first doorbell and it's like I think nobody was home. And I was like, okay, well, that wasn't so bad. You know, and you kind of go on to the next one and the next one and the next one. You, and I would end up like jogging in between the houses for 
a couple of reasons. Number one was like, well, I can cover more ground faster. I can get a little bit of exercise while I'm out here. And the third was kind of maybe more like a psychological reason. Like if somebody happens to be looking out the window or the neighbor sees me across the street, like it's going to look a little bit more exciting and interesting than somebody like trudging up the driveway with a clipboard. And, you know, I got my share of, you know, doors slammed in my face and stuff like that. But you kind of realize like, you know, it's not life-threatening. Most people are reasonably polite. You know, this is 15 years ago. Maybe people are less polite nowadays if somebody comes to your door. But it's it, it was a good experience and hopefully not one that I have to do again. How about that? Where in Seattle were you? Because we were doing it right around the same time because I was doing this in 2003 in oh, no, Covington and Kent. Just north of there in Renton. Well, there you go. There you go. I was doing it in windstorms and uh, all kinds of crazy stuff out. I mean, it gets a little more rural out there, so it's, it was interesting. Anyhow, so um, so at what point did you work for a, a corporation full-time then? When did yeah, that Yeah, so it was right after graduation. I accepted a job with Ford. They moved me from Washington State, where I had you know, always lived and grown up, uh, to uh, Washington, D.C. area, so totally across the country. That was that was oh, their wow. strategy at the time. I don't know if it still is. It was like, we're going to take these young kids. We're going to uproot them from their family and friends and their, you know, comfort zone, social network. And we're going to, you know, plant them down where all they know is the company, right? They're not going to have very many friends aside from coworkers. They're going to be dedicated workers, right? That was the theory, but... What ended up happening was I spent my nights and weekends like trying to build this business on the side so I could have like an escape route. But it, you know, it was really kind of a cool experience to, to get to move across the country on somebody else's dime and to, you know, see a different, different perspective, different part of the world. And another advantage was, was like I stayed in a long distance relationship with my girlfriend, now wife. And, you know, that was a big time saving hack of like not hanging out, you know, every night. So, there was a, that was part of it too. I guess I took the job because I didn't have, Man. I didn't know what the business would be at that point, or didn't have. It was kind of this weird thing. You know, like, oh, we're in such a rush to, you know, grow up and get the real job and get a place of my own. Realizing, you know, after the fact, I was like, there's no rule that says you have to shoot. You know, we're living with five other dudes in this college house. Rent was super cheap, you know, hanging out with buddies. all It was fun. And, you know, you just in a rush to get rid of that. And I don't know if I had to do it over, I, I probably, I don't know if I would, uh, I don't know if I would be in such a rush to get a place of my own and, you know, take on that extra expense just because like, that's what you're supposed to do. Extra burdens means less freedom, right? You know, that's how it works. Well, you are now in the side hustle business, right? So you are have been pursuing and talking to people. And I find for even myself who loves this stuff and I'm interested in it, it's just so exciting, but it's also so overwhelming, right? When you look at all of these different possibilities. There's Amazon FBA businesses, there's blogging and podcasting and Airbnb renting and songwriting and Facebook group marketing and I could go on and on and on, right? But does this idea, if we wanna get started in it, how do you recommend in trying to clear up this cloudiness, this haze, this confusion, what do you think, how do people focus to pursue 
one thing when there's so many different ideas? Well, there's there. a million different ways to get it done. And in the, the one hand, I, that's what kind of makes this trend or this industry exciting for me because like I learn something new every day. But, you know, for for your audience, Dave, for kind of physicians and doctors out there, I think you've got to be really conscious of where you know, you're, where you're putting your time, where you're putting your assets to work that makes the most sense for you. So I wouldn't expect your listeners to go out and drive for Lyft or drive for Uber because, you know, it's like, okay, after, <laughs> right. you know, my mileage expenses, like I'll make 15, 20 bucks an hour if I'm, if I'm lucky. Now, the, the one exception to that, and I think this is kind of cool, is like both of those apps allow you to do uh, a couple directional rides per day. I think Lyft actually off, lets you do up to six. So it's like, hey, you know, before I leave for my morning commute, might as well turn on the app, see if somebody's going at the same direction I am. I can offset my commuting costs in that way, meet some new people. It might be an interesting way to get it done. But, you know, you got to be more conscious of like, okay, there like driving is a skill that almost everybody can do. And so there's a natural ceiling to how much you're going to earn, right? Whereas if you're an orthopedic surgeon, like it's a very specialized skill set and that's why you get compensated accordingly. So trying to think of, okay, what assets or skills do I have that, you know, could be leveraged in, in maybe a more unique or more valuable way. So one way to look at it, you know, to kind of so so Uber so Uber and Lyft are probably kind of like you know more well known examples of the sharing economy and kind of this peer to peer economy. But you mentioned Amazon is another one. You mentioned Airbnb as another one, right? Like the Airbnb example is interesting because it's like if you have an underutilized space in your home, if you have a mother in law unit, if you have actually I met a guy in um, in Tampa who was renting out his car on the peer-to-peer car rental site, like him and his wife, like he, he would travel for work and he's like, yeah, huh. we don't really need two cars a lot of the time. So you would rent out their SUV on Turo and found like a surprisingly high uh, amount of demand for that. So actually, and it took, took a lease out on a couple of new SUVs um, to kind of grow his fleet and kind of improve his, um, his monthly take home from that. But, you know, so like in general, the bigger the asset you have, you know, your car, your home, like the more you can command from that. And then on the brain power side, there's, you know, kind of this consulting, although the the realm of like medical consulting probably gets uh, a little bit hazy in terms of liability and who's out there looking for, you know, a freelance doctor making house calls and stuff. Although I'm sure there are some peer to peer platforms for that. In fact, I used some like webcam visit doctor thing the other the other day and you know they were like can you can you shine a light and can you like open it say ah like into your webcam and it was like this is crazy but you know it sure be going to the doctor's office and, <laughs> and trying to figure all that out but um i don't know like what's what are you hearing as you know being exciting opportunities or what are people i mean you mentioned the land investing thing um I don't know what's what's top of the top of mind for you these days. Well, I think for for physicians, I think the the question is, do you want to do something in medicine yeah. or related to medicine, or just do something totally different? Right. I think within medicine, you could be an expert witness, right, uh, for lawyers, 
and get into that world uh, would be something that I think of off the top of my head. Uh, this You can use your skills as a physician to do something like that on the side, which might be kind of fun and interesting if you like to be someone that, that enjoys the, the back and forth of the courtroom and those kinds of things. Um, certainly locum tenums and, and freelancing is another thing that commonly comes to mind where a doctor could freelance rather than being tied to a hospital. Uh, Those are related to medicine. For me personally, I think kind of the gateway drug, if you will, to online investing and online uh, income for me, I really think is either blogging or podcasting because you gain skills there that can translate to doing other stuff. So that's personally kind of my take on it is I think those are a great starting place. You're not going to make much probably from that. You certainly can if you, you happen to find an audience and a niche and that kind of stuff. But for most of us that do it, you know, it starts definitely, out. At least in my case, definitely a long ramp up period on that kind of like during the audience building phase. Um, have you talked to Ryan Gray from uh, like pre-med years? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Ryan was on uh, about a year ago, actually. Um, now, a really, mm-hmm. a, a podcast and a membership business around his expertise, like an Air Force flight surgeon. Of course, like he he quit that to do his, you know, to do this online business stuff full time. But has really become a go to resource for you know everybody going through med school. It's a pretty cool business that he's built, kind of in the realm of you know, kind of combining the two worlds of like the, his, his medical expertise and the, and the, uh, you know, blogging and podcasting stuff. Well, in his case, he was almost forced to because of health reasons. So it was, um, something that, that I think was something he was glad he had yeah. kind of started out and then chose to, to change paths. And, um, the way I look at it too, it can be a great way to work with a spouse and get them into business too. You know, pursuing stuff like this together can be a, a great thing for a relationship. Um, what about for you and your wife? You know, what what kind of stuff Most are you guys the doing? What's working in your world? Are separate. So her, she's a mechanical engineer by day. Her main side hustle is as a photographer, like a freelance wedding photographer. Something that she's been doing with a partner of hers for the last four years it's been it's been really exciting to watch them you know grow as as professionals like i think they actually take you know really good pictures and on top of that to grow as business owners try to figure out how to market this thing and how to you know sign deals and meet with customers and and you know they've increased prices like 20x since they started because they didn't have a portfolio and so they had to start out really cheap but that's been really cool the other one that we're working on a little bit more closely together is the merch by amazon side hustle it's kind of a hot side hustle going right now where it's a print on demand t-shirt service that's all run by amazon basically you upload your designs and you know somebody can search for whatever keyword you're targeting, they'll find that you know product listing on Amazon. If somebody orders it, like you don't touch the inventory at all. Amazon pulls the shirt off the rack, prints your design, ships it to them, Prime eligible, and then they send you you know whatever royalty you earn. So you set the price and you earn you know whatever margin is above the cost. It's super super passive, super easy to get started. Like 
that's one of the hustles we're most excited about right now. But it's uh, doesn't take any capital. It sounds like really right. No upfront capital. Just figuring out how to do some graphic design stuff. So she's using uh, GIMP, I think, which is kind of like a free version of Photoshop and the Word Swag app uh, a lot of the time, which I think is like a four or five dollar uh, iPhone app. Yep. I love Word Swag. Nice. It's uh, been been a good one it's been a good one so you actually create the designs on word swag then huh yeah so then you can create them there and then import them to you know whatever file editor you need to and you make sure they're the correct size and stuff to upload but you know super super easy to get started you know very low overhead and it's it's pretty fun so we're up to the 500 t-shirt tier they start you off at 10 then once you sell 10 they'll bump you up to 25 once you sell 25 shirts they bump you up to 100 so we've got 500 slots to play with of which i think we're only taking up 100 right now hmm. but it's like 500 opportunities to be discovered in amazon's search like it's pretty exciting stuff we sold a lot of uh, eclipse related shirts uh-huh. last month or in august and so september was down quite a bit because unfortunately there wasn't another eclipse <laughs> Uh, you can. I would. I would almost wonder if something like it, it seems very event related, right? Like right now, could be like a, a a help Puerto Rico kind of thing, right? You know, recovering from the the hurricanes and everything that's gone on. Uh, you could even use that mm-hmm. for charity too, I suppose, if you want, as a way to to raise money. That's been going on lately. That'd be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Elections. Yeah, there's been a lot of kind of you know, holiday-based, like Mother's Day-related ones. So some of it's seasonal. Yeah. And then trying to come up with some more evergreen designs and stuff. Um, but it's been, it, it's super fun. And I don't know, some people like have gone all in and are doing crazy volume with it. So we're mm-hmm. not quite to that level, but it's it's been a fun little side hustle. So we started in January, probably 1500 bucks so far this year. So it's not nothing. That every little bit helps. And is that something where they're requiring you to do a certain amount of volume with it at some point, or does it really matter right now in terms of how many shirts your, your designs sell? Yeah, no minimums. The only thing is like, if you're, if your design doesn't sell for, I think 60 days, they're going to kick it off. It's a, Hey, quit cluttering up our database with this thing that nobody wants. Mm, there you go. There you go. So they kick it off and so that I guess that's part of the uh, struggle, right? Is you have to constantly have new designs yeah. that you put out there um, because they they turn over. Interesting, interesting. So what's what's um, kind of some of your your biggest takeaways, you know, from from all of this stuff? You know, is is there something you're you're passionate about? You know, that you follow the most? You know, to determine that you wanted to do the Amazon business, for example, right? Like how, how are you discovering? How are you following your curiosity? How are you thinking about that? So I discover a lot of these from listening to other podcasts like, like this one, or, you know, hearing about different ideas from other shows. And nowadays, a lot of the pitches come in to me, which is nice. Like, Hey, I'm doing such and such, you know, do you want to talk about it on the show? And it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of interesting or that's new or novel. Like I haven't heard about that. And, you know, so that's how like they kind of come across my desk. I'm trying to think what else kind of on the Amazon front or trying to you know focus different energies. It's, it's a challenge, you know, trying to be pulled in a different direction with, because there's, there's, there's too much going on. So focus is kind of my, <laughs> <laughs> my keyword for Q4 trying to, 
you know, really kind of hammer in. So I've been trying to do on the show is like really, you know, focus on putting out an excellent show each week and trying to get better every time I get behind the mic. But it's uh, it's time consuming. It takes time away from from other projects. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I know something that that I've talked about a lot here in this show, and something that you did too. And it sounds like that uh, I would say, in a way, hopefully, we're having different experiences. <laughs> um, we we both took a leap of faith. We acquired a business through Empire Flippers. And I did that because having done this podcast, I know how hard it is to start something from scratch. Oh my gosh, it is so hard. And I would love to know about your experience a little bit, Nick. You know what? Uh, give us a little background on why you decided to invest in a business through Empire Flippers and, and what that was like for you. Well, I did it for a couple of reasons. Number one was to buy cash flow because it's like it can be quicker to buy rather than build. Similar, it sounds like similar to your motivations. And the second reason was just as an experiment. Like here's an alternative investment class that has, at least on paper, significantly higher returns than buying blue chips or some you know some other type of mutual fund. It did not end up very well for me but it was like you know some lessons learned right so the the site that i bought was an affiliate site uh you know a content driven site they really relied on some search engine traffics or search engine traffic that traffic was being propped up by a private blog network that you know got wiped out in a google update and so you know all the traffic and earnings from that site um you know pretty much disappeared six or so months after the purchase was completed. It mm. stung at the time, but it also wasn't a lifestyle changing investment or, or income from it. It's just a little, little purchase on the side. And that's unfortunately how it ended up. Now tell me, I'm now I'm curious about the one that you bought. Well, let's, let's dig into yours a little bit more. So how much, how much capital did you put at risk? Yeah. How much was that? It was a $10,000 purchase, roughly, maybe a little bit less than that. And it was spinning off at the time around 500 bucks a month. And was that all in cash? Yes. Yeah. This was just PayPal. So you you bought it all in cash. And so, I mean, $10,000, it's, um, a different kind of level. Obviously, you wouldn't put your family at risk doing something like that, you know, something you could recover from down the road. And uh, if I remember right, this was kind of someone you knew too, right? So you kind of had, had it wasn't just some random person off the internet that you had never met before. Yeah, we had a little bit of a relationship. So there's a little bit of uh, trust there. And I understood, you know, his link building methods and in, in all that stuff. So like I understood there was there was risk there. And, you know, don't fault him for it. Don't hold him against that. But, you know, it was just, it was a little experiment to see what would happen. Obviously, in hindsight, I wouldn't make that same bet or, you know, I guess I know a little bit more on what to look for and, you know, risk factors to negotiate against and all this um, and all this stuff. But it's one thing about the marketplace, the Empire Flippers marketplace, they make it really easy to kind of vet different businesses and kind of kick the tires a little bit and see like, okay, this is something that either aligns with another property that I have, or I can hire somebody to manage this for me. And I think it gets 
more interesting at the higher dollar amounts. That was just kind of at the ceiling of what I was willing yeah. to, to risk at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, for me, um, I had made a million dollar acquisition that brought me from Seattle to Minnesota. And so, um, that is kind of, uh, I was reading a book that talks about in, in starting a business, like you don't want to just open up, open up a, a Mexican restaurant, right? You want to, you have your grandma's recipe. So you first sell it like at high school games or something. Right. And you, you, you build your way slowly up to having a restaurant. And so I, I just went ahead and bought the restaurant <laughs> rather than first, uh, selling hot chalupas out of, out of a, a bag at high school games. And, uh, that was a big learning experience for me initially. So that was nine years wow. ago that that happened. And so, um, on that deal, uh, I had, it was originally structured to be 30% down about about a third, a third, a third, one third, uh, down one third earnout, one third as a note payment. And this was August 1st, 2008, when the deal closed. So a month later, <laughs> everything implodes. <laughs> Lehman Brothers went bankrupt and AIG went bankrupt and, and all of that was happening. And so, and plus the numbers were not accurate as presented. And uh, I was so excited to break away from my job that I didn't end up uh, reviewing the numbers as closely as I would have. And so, um, and I did not set it up for what happens if this goes bad. So all of those lessons learned this time, uh, I started looking, it was about January of this year. I started looking around cause I, I had some extra dough laying around that, uh, I wanted to create an extra income stream and I didn't want to do rental houses cause I'm not a handy guy. I'm not into fixing up kind of stuff. That's not my, not, okay. not my shtick. Um, so, um, ended up poking around the internet and found empire flippers just happenstance. They hit me up with a Facebook ad and, uh, started looking at some deals and got in with a family member and we ended up, uh, buying a business. But this time I was not going to put myself in a situation where there was going to be a note payment, but I was willing to take risk. So uh, I put down about 30 K. Um, my relative put down about, um, 45 K. So he put down more than I did. So he owns about 60% of the business. I own 40 and, uh, we went for a larger deal, obviously, but I made sure that earnout okay. was a larger portion. So we did about 60 down 40% earnout. So, um, the, the business since then, uh, it's been cash flowing every month. So here we are now. Uh, past the six month mark. So cross my fingers, hopefully things don't change. But the nice thing is there's a couple of different revenue channels for the business. Uh, there's not a private blog network, <laughs> um, but certainly SEO is driving a decent amount of traffic to the site. But um, just this this last month now, we're recording this at the beginning of October, uh, we're gonna have our best month yet um, since we bought the business. And we're gonna have distributions uh, of close to, I think it's about $3,800, $4,000. Um, so that's uh, nice, pretty man. exciting stuff. So, so far so good. So I figured number one, partnering up with someone was something that could help our capital get bigger. Um, and number two, the other thing that I did is I actually, rather than touching my assets, I borrowed from a 0% interest rate credit card. 
So that way I didn't have to touch my other stuff and the business could pay for it. And it has been, and we're on schedule to have it, uh, that paid off earlier rather than, because now on the 0% interest rate credit card, I got a a transfer loan balance fee on it, but altogether it'll be like a 1.8% interest rate. So I figured if I can beat 1.8% interest, I'll be doing well. So um, that's how I'm kind of growing these revenue streams. And with the land business, I'm thinking of kind of using some similar modeling for that. That way I don't have to touch my hard-earned piles of cash that I want to have doing other things, this yeah. business can kind of pay for what's itself. Your, what's your time commitment so, in managing um, and, and running this thing? Oh, about three hours a week, something like that. Wow. So um, we have VAs helping out with various things, right? So I don't have to do it. Um, so that's that's what I often emphasize to people is I think my best advice to everyone listening is if you're interested, number one, kind of figure out your skill set um, and partner up with someone maybe two people, if you can, people that you can trust, obviously, uh, and work with that money wouldn't become an issue. And with this, with this family member, I knew it wouldn't yeah. be. So, um, but that, that's kind of my lessons learned. And I think, uh, it's working out so far. I always want more though, right? You know, it's never, never as well as you want it to be, but it's, uh, it's working. Well, the cool thing is at the higher dollar amounts, like you have more diversified traffic sources, more diversified income sources. Like it's a more established business than, oh, I get traffic from Google and I, you know, turn around and send it to Amazon and make some affiliate commissions. So that's, I mean, that's awesome, man. So I I guess I would recommend too, like the Empire Flippers podcast archives, like really a wealth of knowledge you want to dive into, you know, how they vet the sites and you know what it's like to buy and sell on their marketplace like i think that's a good resource too for people who are interested in buying cash flow at a, at a more attractive multiple than you know whatever dividend stock is going to pay well and if, if there's something someone's interested in too i would add to that you know if you're interested in the amazon fba thing try doing it yourself for a little bit right you know get a little familiar with it before you buy something um I felt in my case with doing the podcasting and handling social media and um, the uh, WordPress and all that kind of stuff, I had enough familiarity that I could bring something to the table, right? I I, I knew something rather than just coming in blind. Yeah. So was it a physical product? I feel um, it's a digital product, oh. um, software. Okay. Um, basically, it's it's a mobile gaming kits is what it is. So it's kind of I often say it's kind of like someone has. Uh, a lot that they've that this has been finished for them. There's a foundation. You have the frame of the house, and now the developers have to come in and put everything else on the house in order to sell it. Oh. Um, so that's that's kind of what this is for a uh, mobile gaming kit people. Right. That's cool. Um, so, what do you think, Nick? You know, what what would you do differently with your experience that you've had if you were to do it over again? So having to do it over again, like, like I said, I wouldn't have done the deal. Um, but if I did do the deal, like I would have negotiated more on price. So I thought naively probably that, hey, you know, we mark everything at a 20x multiple at that time. And the price is the price. Not realizing like, oh, you know, this site has only been around for this long. So it's not as well established. Like it's, you know, you can't evaluate every business on the same multiple and you know had i known that we could have negotiated some you know price discount 
uh, on the purchase price just because it's like, well, you know, it's only been established for this long. It's only seen this level of earnings for this long. It only relies on, you know, really one source of income, one source of traffic, you know, probably could have negotiated that down a little bit. Um, yeah. And just, you know, had I kicked the tires for another six months, like, oh, it would have imploded. But, it, you know, lessons, lessons learned. That's right. That's right. And I know you're a big um, systems and process guy. So if you were to, to think of a couple techniques for doctors who don't have a ton of time but are interested in this space, what are some things you would pass on to us? A couple of things that have been valuable for me. The first is a time audit or kind of a time tracking expertise. I don't know if you've ever done something similar. I've done this most often in just in Excel. A friend of mine recommended a tool called a time logger. I think it's a time mm-hmm. It's a smartphone app. And I've used one in the past called toggle.com T O G G L.com. And basically, you know, start time, stop time, you know, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I got done during that time. And it does a couple things. The first is I think you'll find you're more productive like in the moment because you're like, well, crap, now I'm on the clock. I got to hustle, get this stuff done. And it kind of gamifies it a little bit. And the second thing is at the end of your week, at the end of your two weeks of doing this, you've got a really detailed log of where your hours are actually going. And I think that's going to be eye-opening to look for opportunities to eliminate tasks, to delegate tasks, or to automate tasks. Like, hey, this is something that I'm voting with my time that it's a priority, but it's like when I step back, you know, through the the you know lens of two week two week older Nick and say, well, you know, was that really delivering the result that I want? Like, is that something that absolutely has to get done, or is that something somebody else could get done for me? You mentioned, hey, we've got virtual assistants helping out with this web business, and it's like, okay, that would be a task, you know, that could be ripe for delegation. So the time tracking thing is, has been really helpful for me, and I need to kind of do that. Uh, I, mean, I need to do another round of that to kind of go back to basics and, and see, what, see, where, see where the time's going because it seems to go uh, really fast these days. The second thing that's been really effective this year, and this could be related to your business, related to your job. Um, so I, each night I try and itemize out my top three priorities for the next day. This actually started when... Uh, my son was born and at that point it was like my one my number one priority for the day it was like it, it might things might get crazy he might not sleep at all like it might just be you know if i get this one thing done i can call that day a win uh, and nowadays he's going to preschool four days a week so i was like here are my top three priorities for the day um and making sure that i tackle the first one before ever diving into email before ever diving into facebook it's like i'm going to take care of my number one stated priority proactively before diving into reactive mode before diving into somebody else's agenda so those two things have been helpful for me for uh, from a productivity standpoint that's good that's good good suggestions i I haven't ever used um, the first app that you mentioned i do this whole color coding thing on my calendar um, it's kind of how I, I block out and do productivity stuff, but I could see the value of that for sure. Um, one of the things I think about, you know, as being a business owner is just how up and down business can be. And I think that kind of changes the perspective of financial freedom compared to many other people. Um, how do you think about your financial freedom? And being a business owner. Well, first of all, I'm really grateful to be able to work from home and work on interesting problems all day. And yeah, I'll complain sometimes, but in the grand scheme of things, 
got it pretty good. And of course, there are ups and downs and there are bad months and there were bad years. But in general, like I wouldn't wouldn't trade it for anything. The biggest metric that I track and try and track uh, quarterly or, or, you know, maybe even monthly in some, in some cases is net worth and passive cash flow. So I guess two different metrics. And this kind of became more obsessed with this after discovering the Mr. Money Mustache blog. I don't know if you're a, a mustachian mm-hmm. or a reader of his, but it was, it's this dude in Colorado who like retired at age 30 and his whole attitude is like the rest of the world is insane. Like, this is not that hard. Why are you guys like, how, how is no, how, how has nobody else figured this out? And it's basically, you know, banking on the 4% rule of, you know, you, you can withdraw this amount in perpetuity. And even if you don't believe in that, yeah. like given an extra 40, 50 hours a week, you're probably going to find something that, that makes money in your spare time or worst case, you go find another job. And that was really, really empowering because it was like, Oh, as long as you keep your expenses in check, this is no longer a 30 year game plan. Like you might be within striking distance of this, or it gives you something tangible, tangible to shoot for instead of just like, Oh, if you invest this amount per month in 30 years, you'll have millions of dollars in the bank. Like that's, it's too far out. It's too, uh, for us, at least it was kind of like intangible, but it was like, Oh, if you spend this month, this is how much you need. And it's like, oh, well, crap, there, that may only be a few years away. So it was kind of, it was, that was really motivating. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I know, uh, Mr. Money Mustache, uh, the, the big blogger in the physician world is the white coat investor. And okay. he's he's developed all kinds of great stuff now. So he's he uh, he and Mr. Money Mustache are, are buddies, I think. They're very similar vein. Um, I, I kind of... I think I think of of him as being kind of like a almost Dave Ramsey ish, you know. It's like a little too extreme for my <laughs> my taste, but um, I, I think the the point the points are there. Um, so I, I love it that you were uh, emphasized by that. So are you someone that leans towards uh, piles of cash and the four percent rule, or are you more on the side of rivers of income? You know, when it comes to financial freedom. We're we're working the two pronged strategy, right? So, you know, trying to build, you know, passive cash flow through investments, and then, you know, also investing in the business. Um, and thankfully, the business doesn't require a ton of, you know, capital investments. Not a physical products business. It's basically nowadays the shoe business is dead. So it's basically just me behind the mic for the for the podcast, and then the handful of side hustles that kind of fall under that umbrella, like the freelancing and the self publishing, and still have a handful of affiliate sites and the online courses. And so it's like very low overhead, but basically trying to get to the point where it's like all the business income is just gravy, right? You you know you're financially free based on this you know, 4% rule net worth number. And then, you know, should anything happen, should the markets implode, like you still have the business and it's, you're doing it because it's fun to work on. Like if it didn't bring in a dime for the next year, like you'd still be fine. That's good. That's good. I love that answer. That's what I'm working towards. Do both. Do both. Well, Nick, we're, we're wrapping up towards the end of our, our time together. And I just want to say one thing that, that I've appreciated about you, just in the brief time that I've gotten to know you, is you are someone that is genuine, transparent, and uh, I think we both have a similar uh, bent on life in terms of liking to experiment and try stuff. 
And I was talking to someone on the phone the other day and they were like, well, why are you doing all this stuff? Shouldn't you just focus on, on staying in your lane, right? Stay in the financial stuff. And, um, at least for me, you know, I find my curiosity, you know, really is something that, that needs to be satisfied. I'm curious. I, I want to try stuff and it gives me energy. It gives me focus. And just as importantly, it keeps me interested. <laughs> um, what about for you? You know, do, do you relate to that at all? You know, what, what's your reaction to that? I think we're, we're we must be cut from a similar cloth because I'm the same the same way. It's like yeah, you know, I read the one thing and I read essentialism, and it says to focus and I and I get it, but it's it's so much harder in practice. You know, I want to try all these different things. I guess I've been on both sides of the coin. You know, one of the biggest uh, struggles that comes up with with my audience is ideas. Like I don't have a side hustle idea. I don't know what my business idea would be. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been, and I've been there, I've been, you know, kind of in the point of like wondering what to do next. And what I found is like kind of as you're in motion, as things get moving, it doesn't really matter what direction you start with, like different ideas start to pop up. And now I keep a Google doc on my computer with like, you know, dozens and dozens of business ideas. Never really have to worry about being bored or being in that, um, that situation of not knowing what to what to work on next again which is exciting it's just a, a challenge knowing that i'm never going to get to them all you, you know the graveyard of of uh, registered domain names and stuff like that <laughs> to disable the uh, the godaddy app from my phone is getting getting out of hand but it's it's all in good fun it, it you know it's exciting to work on these different challenging projects because you learn something new all the time well, I guess it all comes back to what gives you energy, right? You know, what what fires you up? And at least for me, and, and I think for you, this this fires us up. It, it's something that, that is fascinating, and I want to know more. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I think one of the big things physicians struggle with, and I hear this all the time, is that they lack a business education. What do you think, Nick, is one thing that you can pass on to us? What is one business lesson that you think w- would be good to pass on to us? Well, I think the best business education is is trying it out. <laughs> when I was doing the painting thing in college, all of a sudden it was like a light bulb went off. Like I was sitting in business classes during the day and then going out and trying to hustle for customers, you know, nights and weekends. And all of a sudden that marketing lecture, that sales lecture made way more sense because I had something to apply it to. And so it's kind of this, you know, business education by fire and um brian harris you know brian harris from videofruit.com yes so he's got he's got this youtube video i refer people to all the time i think it's just called figure it out and he's like what's your one job as an entrepreneur figure it out like i don't know how to get a website up well you know figure it out that's i gotta get a domain name for you know figure it out and it was just like step by step by step you don't know what the next move is your only job is to figure it out and it's like it's been so true it's like every time you run into a hurdle, it's like you'd be easy to quit or throw in the towel or say, uh, well, I don't know how to do that. But it's like, well, you figure it out or you figure out how to hire somebody who can figure it out. It's, I don't know, it's like that's the that's the fun challenge. It's the same thing in med school. Like nobody is born being an expert physician or expert surgeon, but you figure it out. You learn yes. it. You learn it over time. I love it. Figure it out. 
good advice. Nick, any other any other closing thoughts as we wrap up the conversation? Well, we talked about the time tracking thing. We talked about figuring it out. Really, when it comes to side hustle stuff, the the thing that comes to mind is to adopt an experimenter's mindset, right? You guys are used to kind of learning uh, the science behind different procedures, different medications, right? So this kind of comes natural to test something out and see what works. It either proves or disproves the hypothesis. It, it rarely is an outright failure. It is kind of, okay, you can tweak something, you can move in the next direction. And the same thing, you know, we talked about the failed Empire Flippers acquisition. Hey, it was an experiment that in this case disproved my hypothesis, but you know, an experiment nonetheless. And positioning it as such in my mind, you know, really lessens the sting of failure. It still sucks, but it, it's just... It kind of gives yourself permission to try different things and, and see what happens. That's, that's great. Very good advice. Try stuff. Get it done. Uh, so, Nick, if, if people have more questions, my friend, where can they find you? Oh, how can they get in contact with you? SideHustleNation.com is home base for me. If you hit SideHustleNation.com slash ideas, you'll have a, a laundry list of part-time business ideas that you can start today. And, of course, we'd love to have you tune into the Side Hustle Show podcast available in iTunes or wherever else, um, whatever other podcast listening app that you prefer. I was about to say, wherever yeah, books wherever are sold. podcasts are sold. <laughs> <laughs> all right well my friends there you go there's a man doing a bunch of side hustles i really recommend checking out his show uh he had an episode uh, that we'll make sure to link on the show notes on the airbnb rentals that i thought was fascinating and how she's actually transitioning to uh to uh just doing a rental so check out nick's podcast there's great stuff for you no matter what your interests are real estate or digital entrepreneurship or various sources of passive and active income. And so my friends, that wraps it up for today. If you are a physician or someone else servicing physicians and want to tell your story, I'd love to have you on the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Make sure to contact me, Dave, at drfreedompodcast.com or of course, hit up the website, www.drfreedompodcast.com. Also, lastly, if you got tremendous value from this podcast, I have a favor. Could you please do me a quick favor? Review it on iTunes. It'll just take a quick minute and it'll really help the show and it would mean a lot to me. And so my friends, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. 